You're eavesdropping on Kelsey and Kate. I'd like to start by asking you how you're doing. How are you? Um, <clears throat> I'm doing pretty crappy because I'm in perimenopause slash menopause, and um, I think I also have sleep apnea, and um, and my life, my quality of life has just gone down the toilet rapidly over the past few months. Um, so just. I cry a lot. I rage a lot. Sometimes I know why. Sometimes I don't. Um, I wake up tired, and it's it's still the morning right now, so I'm a little cranky. And I feel bad about that, Kelsey, because you're my friend, and I don't like to be cranky with you. (laughs) Well, I understand. Sleep apnea is definitely, if you don't get the deep sleep, you can get the hours, but you're missing that quality of rest and, and uh, I can completely understand why you would feel crappy. I think sleep is completely related to patience. I noticed that when I had kids that when I didn't sleep enough, I just didn't have tolerance and patience like I did when I did sleep more. And I, it mm-hmm. took me a while to realize that. And it was when I started sleeping through the night that I went, oh, that was the fog I was in. I didn't realize it when I was in it. So I think that's – at least you're aware of it, right? Right. That's interesting so, that, that you yeah. saw kind of like a um, – a cause and effect there for, for patients specifically because, you know, you read things, oh, if you don't get enough sleep, you can be, um, oh, I don't know how they word it, you know, edgy. Um, yeah. Yeah, just, just cranky, but to specifically yeah. Yeah. be able to recognize that you have no patience. And I think that's, that's true of me a lot of the time. I, I think I waffle between feeling impatient and um, being in such a deep brain fog that I'm almost catatonic and don't care about anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's it. Those are those are good two choices. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Well, you said there were some other things going on in the past couple of weeks or months. What else is going on? Um. Well. Um, you know, my my anxiety and my agoraphobia have been acting up. You know, I've had them my whole life, but. Um, wow. Yeah, so they're showing their ugly faces more often. Um, in what way? Uh, oh, gosh, they manifest themselves in so many different ways. Sometimes I feel like um, very agoraphobic, you know, I'll go to walk my dog, and my brain keeps drawing these boundaries of, of what's a safe base and what isn't. So, for example, um, to the end of my block is safe. Beyond that, I start to get nervous. And it isn't like it's, I feel it's, it's actually unsafe. Right. I don't feel that there's anything threatening down the next block. It's, right. it's purely psychological. And, you know, when, when it creeps into other parts of my life and in the past, um, you know, sometimes home was the safe base. Anything outside of home wasn't safe. Or if I'm out in public and um, – I start to feel agoraphobic. You know, my car could be the safe base. 
So my brain just keeps redrawing these boundaries of like, you know, where we'll feel okay and where we won't, um, which limits my life. And I guess it's not helping me that in addition to having this experience, I'm causing suffering by um, feeling bad about the fact that it exists. You know, it's like the second arrow. You know, the, the anxiety is the first arrow and my hatred of the anxiety is the right. second. Well, it's interesting. I had a few thoughts. One is that you used the word limit. You limit you. But my first thought when you said it was, I feel like you're creating limits to keep yourself safe in a healthy way. It's almost like, okay, I can make it to the end of the block. Like maybe in some way you feel like you need some control or some limits in your life, and maybe that's mm-hmm. just a way it's being coming out is you know maybe you're not maybe you don't feel like you have limits in other areas that are being respected or valued and so maybe that's a way it's almost a way of coping to me it's like okay I'm going to create that limit I can do it up to there and that's safe or maybe it's because so much doesn't feel safe and secure that it's a way to create some boundaries so I actually saw the limit as a flip side, but I hear what you're saying, that it limits your life because why wouldn't it be safe to go another block, you know? Right. Um, And the other thing that occurred to me was that you called it my anxiety. And Mm -hmm. I thought about this before, that there uh, any other emotion you know we don't say my joy you know oh my i had my joy again today or my <laughs> you know we don't right we don't own any yeah. other emotion but for some reason my anxiety will say that my anxiety was acting up or i you know has i i was once asked years ago how is your anxiety and i you know and i think it's interesting that we think we own it or it owns us where Really, it's an emotion, and in my opinion, it's a, it, from my experience, what I discovered was it's an emotion that indicates that we're doing more than we can handle. Mm-hmm. And I think we're really hard on ourselves by thinking we should be doing more or should be able to handle more than we can. And when I came to that realization in my own experience, I realized that it took away that anger that you were talking about, that why can't I just be okay? Why, you know, what is all this? Mm -hmm. And the feeling when I would have, because I felt like the anger on top of anxiety added a feeling of being trapped, for lack of a better word. There, You know, that Mm -hmm. stuck. Like there's no way out of this. This is just the way it is, and I have to deal with it. I have to handle it. And so it's not only handling whatever it is, in that moment, but it's handling the anxiety itself. And so, one, when I started admitting it, that I had anxiety attacks and I felt anxiety, that took away the attacks immediately because I feel like there's shame involved in that. And so, I I think that my anxiety as opposed to I'm feeling anxiety, I wonder if that language tweak would even help help you work with it like i'm feeling anxiety what am i feeling anxiety about as opposed to oh it's my anxiety it's just part of my who i am 
you know, as opposed to you probably have a good reason for your anxiety. It probably started somewhere, and there's a reason for it. And one of my questions for you is, how's your dog? Because that alone could create some anxiety, right? Oh, God, how's my dog? Um, Well, for the benefit of anybody who's listening to this, I have a dog who has mega esophagus. So um, to make a long story short, it's a a terrible condition that puts her at risk of uh, choking to death. Um, particularly during feedings. And so her feeding rituals are very tedious, and um, she has to be fed multiple meals a day in in very um, tiny little bits. And uh, uh, that's just to prevent her from from choking, and sometimes she chokes anyway. Um, So... Yes, it's it's very anxiety-producing. It definitely hasn't helped. Um, you know, I worry about her constantly. And then also just the feedings are so tedious. And, you know, you talk about feeling trapped. You know, for me, a sense of being trapped has been a trigger for my anxiety since I was a kid. So every feeding I give her, I feel trapped. And I start to feel like my, my chest tightens up and I, I can't swallow and I get get all panicked and... Um, yeah. Make so sense, anyway, right? <laughs> it's, I don't think it's your anxiety. I think it's, uh, what should we say? Um, like the situation. It, it's fair. Control. Yeah. It's totally <laughs> fair that you would have anxiety. What are you supposed to feel? Right. <laughs> are you right. supposed to feel at ease with that situation? Right. So, um, so you asked how the dog is doing. Um, yeah. Well, you know, she has these episodes maybe once every couple of months um, where we, we cannot avoid the choking. She goes to the hospital. She starts to turn purple, and they have to suction out her throat basically to save her life so she can breathe. Um, we had that situation happen back in November. Um, and because they happen fairly often it's like I never get a chance to recover from the PTSD <laughs> yeah, yeah so I'm probably still freaking out about November but then last night it's funny you should ask us but last night we rushed her to the hospital because um all of a sudden she started um we thought it was a seizure we're not sure um because she she didn't demonstrate a lot of like the neurological signs of, of, of an official seizure but basically her body stiffened and she started shaking and her front paws were kind of um, almost like curling inward the way your foot might do if you were having a Charlie horse. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very alarming. And so um, they, they did blood tests. She, she was officially fine. But what I've been suspecting for a while is that it's taking its toll on her to have to stand up to eat. So... Mm. In order for the food to go down her esophagus, she needs to be in an upright position. So she usually stands on her hind legs and puts her paws on her knee. Um, And I've just been suspecting for a while that that's too much for her um, because she'll have to take breaks. And she kind of does these little walks around in like this jerky motion where you can tell that she's stiff, you know. Um, And it just seems to be getting worse. So I think... Maybe yesterday she had something like a full-body Charlie horse. I don't know how else to describe it. but um, Can I ask you a question? Sure can. Do you, 
Can I ask you a question? Do you feel that uh, you can leave home with her in that condition? Could that possibly have something to do with feeling agoraphobic? Well, um, to answer the first part of your question, do I feel like I can leave her um, only for short periods of time? So I might go out for a couple hours. Um, We did have a situation very recently where Lori came home, that's my my spouse, and um, there was foam all over the place. So when she has those choking episodes, she she, um, creates like these copious, quantities of foam it kind of looks like shaving cream and she was fine so she had had an episode and somehow survived it which was a miracle I don't know how she she didn't suffocate um so that made me feel terrible for being at school and not being home for her so there's definitely an element of feeling like I can't leave her even though I do out of necessity but only for a couple hours at a time um, do I think that that's impacting the agoraphobia? I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, it could be, except that I, I've had this before in other times in my life. Like when I was in my early 20s, I went through a period where it got so bad that one day I just closed the front door of the house and I didn't leave for like two months. Like I had to quit my job because I couldn't leave the house. Now, I don't remember exactly what was going on at that time. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Yeah, to, to make it so um, intense. Uh, right. I don't know. I, 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 yeah. I saw somebody posted something on Facebook last night. It was an article that um, said, you know, people with anxiety have superpowers. Um, so what, what the article was basically saying was that, you know, people with anxiety, <clears throat> there, there are some benefits that come with it, like you're able to detect um, a dangerous situation a little more quickly than other people. Like they were trying to put a positive spin on it. But I, I left a comment saying, you know, I never thought I would say this, but at this point I would rather be mediocre and at peace. So don't give me yeah. these, these perceptive yeah. superpowers. Just let me be this dumbass person who feels nothing just so I could be at peace for a while. This has been just a lifelong thing. It, it feels like a curse to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It just, I, I envy the people that I see in the world who just, they never hesitate. They never hesitate to do anything. Hmm. What, what must it be like to never feel a reason to hesitate. <laughs> do you feel like there's anything in your life right now you're hesitating to do that you would like to do? Um, well, right now, everything. Mm. Everything. Even, you know, I, if somebody invites me out to lunch or dinner, I say no because I have become phobic of restaurants. And this is just a recent development. Right. Because I've been in restaurants within the past few months and felt panic and was in the embarrassing situation of saying, you know, I, I have to leave right now. Sorry. I think that's gotta interesting go. that you say embarrassing because I think that's a part of anxiety is shame, embarrassment, self-hatred, mm-hmm. frustration. 
Mm-hmm. Frustration towards the body, like why, why is my body doing this? Mm-hmm. See, if the whole world was like this, then it would be like, oh, I get it. That's normal. You know? Um, I, I think something that's popping into my mind right now, too, is yeah. a lot of like this kind of positive psychology, which I, I agree with to, to a large extent, but I also yeah. think that it, it has been a disservice to many of us, too, because we're presented with these messages like, live your best life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, time is short, you know. Um, life is short. Go out there and go for it and live your dreams. And that hurts me because I feel like, oh, if I was going to live my dreams, well, one, one thing I would do is get, would be to get on an airplane. I can't do that right now. So I feel like if I died tomorrow, my life would have been this complete and utter waste of, of breath. It's so interesting you say that because I just thought the other night of the phrase, live today like it's your last, and I thought, what a disservice that is. Just what you're saying. Live it, what about living like it's your first? Because... If I live like it's my last, I'm not thinking about consequences. There's a lot I can't do, so I'm actually feeling worse because I'm like, well, I actually have obligations today, you know. <laughs> There's actually being a person and civilized, you know, that makes us unable to do whatever we want in a healthy way, you know. And so I thought about uh, what if we said live today like it's your first, like it's a new start maybe, something more like that. Boy, that I think is so freeing. Yeah. Like There's that. something very freeing about that. Because, yeah, live, live today like it's your last. Well, there's, you know, how, how can I do that? I can't do that. Even if I knew I was going to die tomorrow, this anxiety is so overwhelming that there would be nothing I could do about it. So, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, even things like, you know, yeah, live it like it's your last. Well, I'm also thinking about, because I'm a, I'm a food person, of course, um, I'm thinking about all the things that I would want to eat if I knew I was going to die tomorrow. And I can't do that because if I did, I would spend the last day of my life puking. You would die tomorrow. <laughs> Because my body can't handle that. Right. So screw you with this last day of my live, live it like it's my last day. If, if I knew the world was going to blow up tomorrow, I, I think that I would just like pull my loved ones to me and pull a blanket over our heads. Right. But that doesn't go, feel like living it up. That doesn't feel like living it up. That doesn't feel like, oh, I'm going to take that risk. That doesn't inspire me or motivate me. It makes me want to crawl right. into a ball. Yeah. Yeah, but, but if, if it's I the say, first yeah. day of your life, you're like, "Ooh, I have a life. What am I doing?" It almost gives you permission to sit back with like a notebook and be right. like, "Okay, let's think about what we're going to do, how we're going to roll it out." Right. And the idea that there's a whole life in front of you removes that sense of, um, um, "My brain isn't working." <clears throat> well, I'm thinking regret. That was the first thing that came into my mind. If it's the first an day and you have plenty of time and urgency. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's not urgent. Yeah, maybe I would actually do more if I didn't feel the pressure to do more. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
I mean, there are so many, and that's, you know, I mean, that brings us to our culture today and what's happening and how things have sped up so much that, but it doesn't, it doesn't help anything slow down. It only speeds things up more. You know, I think when fax machines went to internet, I, I think maybe we all thought, oh, this will help things happen so much quicker. Great. It'll make it smoother. But it, right. I, I feel like all, it all only made things be expected to go faster. And so there's really very little time to stop and process and wait for the facts to go through. You know, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. even though it might be more annoying, it's, it almost seems like the faster things go, the faster things go. And the more we expect of ourselves and there's, there's not a lot of time to just wonder and process and, and feel relief. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I'm thinking about when I was a kid and, and people would, you know, try, try to predict what the future would be like, you know, like all this Jetsons-like technology. You right. press a button and a dinner magically appears in an, in an oven-like space. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there were all these things. And I guess the, the wonder of it in part was, wow, I'm going to have all this extra time to just be joyful. Right. So in my mind, a a TV commercial where, like, people are, like, spinning their children around on the beach in slow motion. And, you know, like, people are camping on a ledge and thinking of nothing. But is that really what people are doing? I don't think so. Well, maybe some people who really have it together. There's that author, and I can't think of his name right now, but he wrote, like, the, the something work week. Oh, right, the five-hour work week. The five-hour work week, right. So he seems to have it together, and, and he's got his, his life on kind of on autopilot. So he can go out there and just be an, an adventurer or whatever. Um, but, yeah, I think you're right. Most of us aren't, like, spinning our children on the beach in slow motion. <laughs> because, well, think, you know, yeah. technology is doing everything for us. Right. What are right. we doing? What are we doing instead? What are we doing instead? What, you know, and and I think that what happens is because inter- the internet and social media is so stimulating, I think people are not tolerating time off and not tol- not able to tolerate boredom or relaxation, almost in comparison to the adrenaline rush of it all. Mm-hmm. I gotta get that email. I gotta okay. I'll I'll just get that one more email. I gotta complete this. There's no there's no turning off of things where you know when we were growing up the tv actually stopped at a certain hour <laughs> you know we yeah. were done it stopped we we couldn't do anything we couldn't watch anymore you know phone nobody would call somebody's house after 10 at night it just yeah right? you just wouldn't you know you'd be done with work or you know my parents would be done with work and that was the end of the day for them there was no you know things didn't have a 24-hour cycle Mhm. So I think there's and a. If, if you didn't watch that episode, you were never going to see it again. So you better right. be present. For it. <laughs> that's right. 
instead right. of being present and mindful and be completely 100% with the facts of life and nothing else. Because That's right. <laughs> That's right. And, it, and I think it also <clears throat> helps build community in a sense because I remember going to school and we all watched the same shows and we, right. you know, we could talk about happy days or good times or the Jeffersons or uh, what else were we watching? Uh, I remember going through, oh, Love Boat, you know, whatever it was, mm-hmm. we could all talk about the shows together yeah. because that's what we watched on Tuesday night. You know, that was Tuesday night, 8 o'clock. It was, that was it, mm-hmm. right? And so I think there was a sense of we're all doing this together in a way as opposed mm-hmm. to just what's, there, there was, I don't remember a sense of, information everywhere i remember Mm -hmm. looking in an encyclopedia for for information right yeah you know there there wasn't a compulsion to if somebody couldn't remember something you know there wasn't this compulsion to find out that second what the answer was Mm -hmm. it was easier to kind of let things go and find them out later and shrug it off (laughs) yeah so it sounds like what you're seeing and I see it too, is that um, with all of these automated things that were meant to give us more time for joy, somehow we're still compelled to fill our time, to fill it, to fill it, to stuff it. Stuff it. In, instead of breathing and enjoying. Is that what you're seeing? And when you said that, it made me think it's also more reactionary. I think there's a lot more reaction going on. So if I'm thinking of the Internet, you know, with, let's say, a news story or or, um, clickbait or something, I think we're in a much more reactive state. So we're just uh, reacting to news, reacting to any story that comes our way as opposed to being more proactive and going, how do I want to spend my time? How do I want to do that it's more like we're on the defense I you know right now I'm kind of leaning back going ah like it's all coming at us what you know what has to happen when yeah so I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here and and ask you to like solve the world's issues yes right here and now um so what do you think people need to do um if if automation and convenience isn't setting us free to find our joy, what do we need to do or stop doing so that we're, we're kind of living the promise of all of that technology? Wow, that's a great way to put it, living the promise. That's fantastic. I think we need to be really mindful of how I think we need to be really mindful of our emotional state and how we spend our time and our emotions if that makes any sense. So if I am spending my time in one place like my home base is misery let's say or my home base is struggle or my home base is anxiety becoming aware of that and going okay this is how I'm spending my time and I think that it translates to how 
in action we spend our time too, you know? And I think there's a, a certain amount of not being so hard on, hard on ourselves. The word relief keeps coming to mind for me, the sense of mm-hmm. relief. Like, I don't have to do, you know? Like, what if I said to you, the end of the block, okay, fine. So that's all you're doing today. <laughs> you know, like, would that, isn't that okay? Like, what, you know, maybe there's a sense of relief of, all right, and when I'm ready to go do more, I'll do more, you know, and if I'm not ready, I won't. And, you know, not, like, not, honestly, you know what it comes to down to for me right now is this idea of adrenaline, like the addiction to adrenaline. Because my thought was, well, what if everybody just put their technology away, phones down, like, you know, would that give us a sense of more time and more relief? And, but I think there's a, this, uh, I think there's an adrenaline addiction because I can't imagine people doing that. You know, I, I went from an iPhone to a flip phone on purpose because I found myself, even when I wasn't looking at my phone, when it was away, when it was turned off, there was a sense of there's something better somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And it was all day long that I had that feeling. And if I wasn't comfortable in an emotion in a, in a moment, I would want my phone. I would want to go somewhere else immediately. And the adrenaline, it was like if I couldn't handle a moment emotionally, my first thought was the adrenaline, you know, phone, adrenaline. What can I get? What can I read? What, what's the possibility to get me out of this emotion? Right. And this feeling of there's got to be more, there's got to be better, there's possibility, there's so much possibility. What news could I be getting? Who's calling me? Who's, you know, what, what could I be getting in my email? And then I would check it and it would be like, you know, I'd, I'd hear the bling, and then I'd check it, and it would be like 10% off coupon at the Gap, you know, and I'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, God. And then I'd have that low, you know, it's like a roller coaster all day long of hope and and desperation in a way, as opposed to a hope where it's just, okay, you know, more, um, I think I can do this, or I think I can overcome this, or can I get through this, you know, whatever situation I'm in. I think there was more. there was more of a, a, uh, a fierceness to it, like I gotta get through it. I gotta do it now. <laughs> yeah, you know. So yeah, I, think, I, uh, I totally get yeah. that. I mean, I certainly get the the phone addiction thing. Um, yeah, I, I I would never give up my smartphone entirely because, you know, I do use it for a lot of healthy reasons so right. like for example every now and then on social media you'll see these memes that are kind of um, uh, putting smartphones into a negative light you know it's like nobody's looking at each other or everybody's at the dinner table yeah. looking at their phones and not at each other or whatever it is right. and I, I kind of am irritated by those because not yeah. everybody who's looking at a phone is doing something you know um, that takes a waste of time yeah um, yeah you know, I have a, a Kindle app on my phone, and I read books. You know, w- w- if you yeah. saw somebody reading a book in the laundromat, would you say, what a loser? No. <laughs> like, oh, that person's reading. What, what a worthwhile, you know, <laughs> I also activity. think medi- medical information is mm-hmm. incredible. 
I, I think before the Internet, we just listened to our doctors no matter what they said. And mm-hmm. now you can hear an opinion, you can get tests, you can go home and do your own research, get information, and ask questions, ask the right questions that you wouldn't otherwise know. And you can find home remedies. You know, it's just mm-hmm. I feel like that piece of information is fantastic. Yeah, I think the danger zones are probably email and social media because um, maybe a little more for you than for me, but like the the checking the email constantly, um, I think that's really common. For me, the the social media is a slightly bigger problem. Um, I guess in part because, yeah, it's like, oh, what am I missing in the world? Right. Um, But also I see a lot of bad news and it brings me down, like yeah. really like plunging down and so quickly. So um, especially since I, my depression has, has been exacerbated so much in the past few months, I've really been trying not to look at social media because there's just too much bad news. And I, I'd, I'd like to interrupt and say, let's try yeah. changing my depression to, I don't know, feelings of depression. Oh, you're so good. You're so good. <laughs> it's not your depression. You don't own it. It doesn't own you. But you're, you have every right. right to feel depressed. Right. I, I want to read something to you. It's, uh, it's one of my favorite authors. is Kurt Vonnegut. He wrote a book called Time Quake. And in it, he talks about the word acculturated. It says, acculturated persons are those who find that they are no longer treated as the sort of people they thought they were because the outside world has changed. An economic misfortune or a new technology or being conquered by another country or political faction can do that to people quicker than you can say Jack Robinson. As Trout wrote in his An American Family Marooned on the Planet Pluto, nothing wrecks any kind of love more effectively than the discovery that your previously acceptable behavior has become ridiculous. He said in conversation at the 2001 Clambake, if I hadn't learned how to live without a culture and a society, acculturation would have broken my heart a thousand times. You might have every reason to feel depressed right now, and you might have every reason to feel anxious right now. Because we might just be in a time that is feeding that. No, I, I think you're right. It's our depression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why do they call it the Great Depression? Yeah. Sounds great. <laughs> been eavesdropping on Kelsey and Kate. 